Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So it's uh, all for play for still. I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Fans and welcome to the Arsenal Victory Review Podcast on For the Love of McGrath Podcast. I made an absolute hams of the intro there. Nothing like an intro I've ever done before, but it doesn't matter because I'm over the moon. And while I may have made a hams of the intro, Aston Villa certainly didn't make hams of this game that we played today. They played a pitch perfect game, I think. Well, what's a perfect game, but they played a game. Um, that was full of uh, grit, determination, heart, and obviously full of one more goal than Arsenal as well because we came out of it with three points. And the wonderful Paddy is here with me today and he's wearing a jersey that can only be a jersey from a man that played his heart out as well today. He's got the lovely Emmy Martinez goalkeeper's lovely green jersey on today. And uh, for those of you who watch this on YouTube, because I think I'm going to pop it up on YouTube just see see uh See if we can if we can pop it up there as well for for historical purposes more so than anything else because we certainly don't want to see our visages too much because uh, I don't know about you, Paddy, but my old haggard old West of Ireland face um, might scare away a couple of uh, fans of the podcast. But uh, I've ranted enough, Paddy. How are you doing? I am delighted. I'm in great form. I've I've had the mother and fathers of all days with work. I had to stop for two hours just to watch the game and then get back to it. Um, and I did the whole afternoon with a smile on my face. So I'm very, 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 very happy. That is brilliant. Yeah. Not only is it good to hear that somebody is doing a pile of work at the moment, you know, <laughs> and that it's, that it's piling in. That is great. But uh, also, look, as well, to be able to do it after an Aston Villa win. And um, yeah, like it's, there's a, there's a kind of a lot to talk about in this game. But at the same time, it would just be kind of mentioning players' names and saying that they played really, really well. And 
that's a fantastic problem to have. You know, I'm not good. There's like usually we come we come on here and we're, we're saying, yeah, it was a great win, but it could have been so much more different because VAR nearly fucked us over or something along those lines. But we came into this game today in a game whereby I think both of us, if the truth be told, thought that it might be a step too far. Um, for this yeah. team, considering that they did look leggy, or you know, that we were, I was beginning to be convinced that they might be leggy after being a big, staunch, um, a kind of believer in the statistics and the sports science. And I should have just, I should have just stuck to my guns and believed it because it turned out to be the right hunch. The team went out there today and they defended gritty and they defended well and they defended with a great structure to it. And when players were were, were beginning to huff and puff a small bit. There was there was players change, but before we look into the into the substitutions and so on, a big bombshell that dropped before the game was the rotation of a certain Brazilian international and Douglas Luiz for uh, marvelous Nakamba. Being honest, Paddy, what were your initial thoughts when you saw it? Well, I honestly didn't know what to make of it. To be honest, mm-hmm. I, I I was looking at it going, you know, you're you're looking at the team and you're going, geez, Nakamba's in there, who's missing? As Louise doesn't obviously jump out off the page straight away. You're looking at along the, the strikers, obviously, to see because you don't expect any changes for the back to pitch. Um, you know, Nakamba played a few weeks ago, and I think we I think we gave him man of the match, but I think I did anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did. Um, he he des- he probably deserves a run, and des- and deserves a, a start. So you know, we can't we can't really argue with it, with him being included. Um, when I realised he was there. And I looked, I was expecting it to be McGinn and I saw McGinn was there and I realised then that Luis was out and it was like, yikes, <laughs> I wasn't expecting that one. Um, I think you did call it in the preview that Nakamba yes. might get, get a run, but I, I don't think you anticipated it was at Dougie's expense. No, but uh, look, look, we're sick of talking about me being right about these things, Paddy. It's not about me being right. We know I was right, but it's not about me being right. <laughs> That's a humble brag there. Uh, I'll be honest with you. Like, I, I couldn't have made it more, more uh, obvious in the podcast that I was literally just throwing something out to make a talking point. It just happened that the stop <laughs> clock was right was right in this instance here. Uh, but <laughs> I think Rick Lee Ong will enjoy this one because uh, I told him I was a blind a blind squirrel that found a nut before uh, about something I predicted. So the blind squirrel came up trips tricks again. So uh, <laughs> that was, uh, yeah, it was... It, I, I, I look hand, hand on heart. I, I, I said at the time I didn't expect it to happen, um, but it wouldn't blow me away if it happened. And I thought it would be for for uh, John McGinn. But when I thought about it, and I sent you a rather lengthy text, and we're not going into the uh, into the nuts and bolts of the text <laughs> because uh, uh, there was a bit of frustration behind the text I sent you. Um, I can see why. I can see. I, I, I can see why Nakamba was brought in for Douglas Louise and not John McGinn because it, it prompted me to go and look at the statistics. And Douglas Louise, when pushed pushed a small bit further, had he's had one of his worst games. He, he had he, against against Wolves. Uh, he graded out as one of, uh, as one of his worst games, and it was actually slightly worse than his uh, his game against. Um, Newcastle, even in a way, it, both of those were wins. So I think maybe when uh, I think maybe we were kind of glossed over kind of Douglas Louise's um, 
two games there because they were both wins, one against Wolves, yeah. one against Newcastle. And look, this isn't me sticking a boot into Douglas Louise. I still think that he probably he should have come on at some stage today. I was there was times in that game after Nakamba got the other card. I was like, okay, okay, now now it's time to bring on Douglas Louise. Now it's time yeah. to bring on Douglas Louise. Okay, we know we know what we're going to get here. We can't afford a red card because we were set, we were setting ourselves up to defend. We were mm. we were dead. We were digging our heels in there, and uh, Douglas Louise will be back in that team again. Probably, I would say, in a week's time. Who knows what, what, what the issue was with him. But as I say, said in the Villa view, he's not unrotatable. He's a 22-year-old guy. Um, sometimes I'm ve- I fall victim of thinking that he's way older. He's maybe 26, 27. He's experienced. He's battle-hardened. Maybe it's because he looks so physically well-formed for that position. He's, he looks like he's got an old head in his shoulders. And he basically dragged us up off our bootstraps last year in the running. You know, so fair yeah. play to him. But he's, you know, Nakamba came in today and we're looking for people to put their hands up and show options from the bench because there was times over the summer where it was a case of we were expecting Nakamba to go. And look, he's come in and he's had two sparklers. Like he's had two mm. very, very good games and when he's been asked to do it. And John McGinn ran his heart off today. He's got the most thankless position in, in this team because it's not the same position he played at the start of last season when he was grabbing goals against against um, Spurs and running past the striker. That's not his position here anymore. Yeah. His position here is to help out Maddie Cash and to literally run his legs off every game. And uh, he, I thought he did well. And they brought back in Traore as well, you know, who, for me, was excellent back in tra- tracking back in the first half today. Yeah, he did very well. Yeah. Probably he might have ran out a bit of juice there yeah. before he was taken off, and that's fair enough. He's doing a completely different role than he's uh, used to, and there's a lot more work involved. So, um, can't fault him. Did absolutely superb for the goal. Mm-hmm. Um, bear in mind that the goal came from Emmy Martinez pinging the ball to him in the middle of the park. Gives it to McGinn. McGinn gives the ball away on, on a ball. Uh, Bertrand Traore runs 25 yards to win the ball back. Mm-hmm. Takes it by the defender, puts the ball across. Uh, Ollie gets a little bit of luck with a deflection. I think it probably would have went in anyway. I think, I think it might have gone in the other corner. Hard to say, but look, the ball ended up in the back of the net. Um, you had a bad a bad start to the podcast. Thankfully, we didn't have a bad start to the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. First ninety seconds for me were pretty atrocious. Yeah, yeah. Not, not my normal polished self, of course, if there is such a thing. Uh, but thank thank God for Wally Watkins. Um, yeah, and and you know what. Arsenal had a Arsenal had a ton of touches of the ball today, and uh, one of the guys he's he's had a very good season. He's had actually a very very good season. Is Rob Holding, but Rob Holding's biggest problem is he stands off people so much. And when you look at it, I can understand why he does it because he's a big block of a man, and 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 in the box like that, he's he's best to stand off Ollie Watkins. But Ollie Watkins, he just he always does it. He's he did it at Brentford last season. Um, I must look back to see if he did it in this instance, but I would imagine he did because he had a bit of time when the ball came to him. He kind of gets to that area and takes a step backwards and um, or, or maybe pulls up maybe about a yard short of where you think he would be going to. But holding has about has about a tr- or he has about a three to three, three yard buffer on holding at that mm. stage. And all holding can do is try and make himself big and get a touch on the ball. And he did and it squirted into the corner and uh I thought actually Holding was one of our better players today. He was getting up in around the box and he was making a nuisance of himself. And, you know, he had 80 touches of the ball today. He was their, he was their third highest. Um, uh, he had the third highest amount of touches after uh, Granite Xhaka and uh, Saka today. Mm. 
So like, like uh, I, I was actually really impressed with him. Thought he was really good. The commentators no, were. I never, I never rated him, and, and I actually thought no. he did very really well. It was, it was his only mistake, and I think he does that all the time. But you can't afford to do that in the edge of the six-yard box. You've got no. to be tighter. But, yeah. but I, I think the movement of the striker didn't exactly help him either. I think it was a case of when he, when, when the striker pulled his run short, and and he was given the buffer, maybe thinking, right, I don't want to get too close to him here because it's going to be a penalty. And next thing, the striker pulls up a yard and a half short, and he's on, he's on the back foot, and he's like, oh, ah, yeah. I'd say in that moment he was kind of like, oh no, I'm after, I'm after getting caught with that run. It, it just kind of looked like that was the situation, and all he could do was kind of spread his legs really, um, and, and try and try and get a touch in it. But uh, they were a good side, you know. I, I I'm not. Going to sit here and say that that Arsenal played poorly today because they they, they're good they were a good side today. I thought we defended brilliantly. I thought Maddie Cash, Maddie Target again were imperiously good. Um, they were they were fantastic. I thought Nakamba, as I said, Tyrone Mings was like a brick wall back there. You know he did. Yeah, oh, he just did. He just did everything he's supposed to do. You know, nodded the ball away. Uh, just you know, okay he. Pinged a couple of them out over the line. I don't care. <laughs> Isn't it better than trying to do a cry turn, uh, you know, yeah. 15 yards outside your box and losing it? Mm-hmm. Ping it up the field. Proved what he is today. Really, really good defender. Really, really good, good defender. And, 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 it was the most solid I think I've seen him in a long time. Yeah, yeah. And, and Kanza was fantastic as well. I just, like, literally, I, I said that we could just go through this podcast and say, he was brilliant, he was brilliant, he was brilliant. And yeah. that's what it turned out today was Arsenal made a mistake. We didn't. Well, I, I think the only the only person go, going through the whole team that I didn't think was brilliant was Ross Barkley, and I'm hoping that his reaction when he was taken off was because he didn't think he was brilliant himself, and not that he was pissed off being taken off. Um, I, I, like they all need to be rotated. I think it was his turn. Uh, obviously Dougie didn't start. McGinn was taken off the last day, so it, it was just his turn today to 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 make way. Plus, I didn't think he had a particularly good game. He, 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 he went missing for long periods of the game and just couldn't get into it. And uh, look, that's no slight on him. When, when he did get into it, I thought he did quite well. He played a couple of true balls there that were good. He held the ball up well a couple of times, but I, I don't think it was one of his better games. Uh, my thought process, my thought uh, process on why he kicked the bottle is probably because the exact, I, I would do the exact same thing in, in an instance like that. Like at times I would have when I was playing, if a player is taken off because he he's playing bad, he probably knows he's playing bad and he doesn't really mind. But if you take a player off because he because you feel that oh, you're not fit enough or you're, you're blowing out your hole and a player doesn't feel like that, they're kind of like, what do you mean? I had another 15, 20 minutes and focus. You know, I might never yeah. get back into the team again. Look, adrenaline runs high. It, it's, it, it happens all that time. I, like, you know, there's no way Dean Smith is going to go over and start trying to console him there and then because he's got, like, Ross Barkley's going to be as high as a kite after coming off yeah. the field with the, you know, the endorphins and everything like that. They're running through the body. Let him simmer down. Put your arm around him an hour after the game and say, "Listen, you're still a starter on my team. There's no need to be kicking bottles, all right? We took like you off because the data told us we needed to yeah. take you off." And, you're relatively and new. You, you don't you don't see too many interviews with him, and that's why I don't know whether it was because he was pissed off at being taken off or being pissed off at his performance. So yeah. we'll give him the benefit of the doubt, but I think I, I think I don't, people, I don't like it. I don't like to see it. I, like I, I think we knew this. when we yeah. saw Jack Grealish getting taken off, and he was sitting in a huff on, on the. Yeah, on the bench, you know years. Jack well enough to just have a good laugh at that. Yeah. But this one, I'm not so sure. <laughs> yeah, I, look, I, I'm. No, don't get me wrong. I'm sure he really wanted to go and finish off the game and, and beat Arsenal and see it out. 
Um, yeah. I suppose coming from Chelsea, there wouldn't be much love there at all. So, mm-hmm. um, as I said, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt, but I don't really like when players do that. I think I think it's a bit disrespectful. Yeah, I, I don't I don't make too much of it. Andy Gray made a huge piece out of it in BN Sports as well. And uh, yeah, so yeah. I looked at it. I went, kick the bottle. What about it? You know. I've often come off. I've often come off and been taking off my boots and firing them against the wall. Like it's just like frustration, maybe at myself, or you know, you know, you might be going, "Oh, I don't want to be told that I'm not fit enough because I break my arse in training every week or whatever." You know, uh, that's that. That would be my thought process on it. But then again, he could have. Like I don't think he's he's doing it saying, you know, giving giving Dean Smith the two fingers. Look, it's 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 a, it's much ado about nothing. It's much for me. It, it would be much ado about nothing. But I prefer that that he didn't give the cameras uh, something to pick up on, maybe. There was something running through my mind there, and I was going to... It was a particular passage of play I wanted to bring up, but this is great. Once again, look. Talk amongst yourselves there, everybody, while you're listening to the podcast, when I start thinking this. I mentioned a couple of true balls that Ollie Barkley... Ollie Barkley? Yeah. I'm getting as mixed up as you now. There's the Tiger beer now. <laughs> played a great ball through to to Bertie at one stage, and he was caught in two minds whether put his lace through it or try and lob the keeper. Probably yes. went with the wrong, probably went with the wrong decision. You know, would have liked to see him take him on at the near post maybe, or try and whip one into the top corner. But he opted to try and chip him. But Matt Ryan is a big beast of a man, and he stayed up as long as he could and managed to get the save, which is unfortunate because I think that would have killed him off at that stage. Yeah. I remember the two things I wanted to say now. So number one was uh, uh, the jersey you're wearing. Um, we saw that jersey probably, I don't know how high your washing line is, Paddy, at home. I don't know if it's uh, <laughs> seven or eight foot or nine foot high. But when uh, when <laughs> Emmy Martinez got up to that Granite Jacka free kick, Ty Bracey put a, a still shot of it up on, uh, on, on Twitter. And like he's out jumped the frame of the goal when he saves it. It's ridiculously high when he gets his hand to it. So my I'm thinking that that's the highest that that jersey has ever been, provided you don't have a big massive uh, uh, clothesline at home. But it's uh, yeah, as I say, he was fantastic today. Emmy Martinez. Emmy Martinez was great today. And 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 the reason I was bringing that up was because I put a piece up on Twitter, and I'm actually I recorded a game today, and I'm going to try and. I'm gonna try and do my Jamie Carragher at the at the the, the Skywall thing where I start showing things uh, uh, with the breakdown in for the corner because it's really interesting. I've been talk- talking about it for the last couple of last couple of weeks about how Aston Villa defend corners. It wouldn't be wouldn't have been my preference of corners, but I can completely understand why they're doing it. And you know when you've got somebody in the team, maybe like a Jam McGinn that may not be good in the air, and this is what I think is the situation. And they're they're putting him in a zone at the back post, all right. They're putting him in the back post zone, and they're trying they're making sure the defenders are out in front of him, and they're clearing a pathway away for Emmy Martinez to also marshal that back post if the ball yeah. is floated over. So my thought process is here, and I could be one million percent wrong, but I'm pretty sure that this is why they're doing it. Is they're trying to hide McGinn at the back post? Yes, we saw Gabriel came coming around to try and mark him and to try and get a mismatch at the back post. But I think that Dean Smith is okay with that. I know the rebuttal is going to be that we've been caught twice by it, one against Burnley and once against uh, Vestergaard for, for Southampton. But the corner kicks need to be absolutely perfect because if you think about it, it has to clear all the bodies in front of him and Emmy Martinez has to be hemmed in on the line by other players as well, which doesn't happen too often because of the way we defend it. If you look at it, we get players out from him. You look again against Southampton last week. 
they put Michael Antonio on Emmy Martinez, and there's a reason for that because of the size of, of Michael Antonio is just hard to get around him. Um, but sometimes even if players, if they put a player on the goalkeeper, we're moving him out of the way so he can make his way back to the back post if the ball is going over. And that's Emmy Martinez's ball. And all Jack, all uh, John McGinn is there to do is to put off the guy that's there or to be an extra um, a speed bump, essentially, because he's not going to stop him. So yeah. for me, it's about hiding him at the back post. And you have to think about the percentages of how good that cross needs to be to hit that man at the back post perfectly. And you think about it in this way that... When you're taking a free kick in and around the box, you put a wall there so that he can't just take a shot straight at the position he wants to shoot. He has an obstacle to get over. So when you're taking that corner, you've got this massive players that you want to avoid if you need to get to the back post. So you can't just kind of have a hit and hope into the back post. You need to have, need to, have to avoid them. So you have to really put it on the money to get, it, to get a goal at the back post from a corner. And it's not to say that it's impossible because we've seen it twice already this year. But for me, that's my thought process, that if Emmy Martinez, you, that the other team have to hem him in re, and like make sure that he can't move inside there in a fair way without grappling him to the ground and so on, which is very difficult because we see him grab the ball at the back post quite a lot. You have to do that, number one. And then number two, you have to have a corner kick. You have to feel like you can take a corner kick to put it right in your face. And Robbie Brady could do it for Burnley. And uh, James Ward-Prowse could do it for Southampton. But very few people, and I'm open to correction on this, they're just the two that come to mind, are able to do that. But it's really, really interesting because the commentators even picked up with it that Gabriel is unmarked at the back post. He's there, or Gabriel had a mismatch with McGinn at the back post. They mentioned it for a period of time. And it happens. And... There's a, there must be a method toward, it must be a method to the madness. And that's my hypothesis, hypothesis as to why that happens. And I think I'm pretty much on the money because I can't see any other reason why. Yeah, I'd, I'd say you're probably not far off the mark. Um, it, it always worries me to see a big centre half roaming around. And he, he, and he was given the freedom at all the set pieces. So much so that he, I don't think he was sure what he wanted to do himself. <laughs> he was just kind of a bit lost, like, who's who's picking me up here? He was looking over his shoulder, and he was just, you know, because they said it, like, what I noticed at the first corner, that he was completely unmarked, and then it was mentioned after maybe the second one, and after that, then, he, he just, he was at a loss to where to, where to be, uh, to be running yeah. to, or, or where he even started his run from. Mission accomplished, so. so. It, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And, you know, it, it, it's a lot harder job when when a when a big guy is running from deep, as we've seen. It was the Ben Mee one coming, arriving late mm. at the back post on a direct run as opposed to an arc run where you're not going to get the same power on the header. Yeah. So <clears throat> I'm sure we've I'm sure we done our homework in how Arsenal line up for their corners. You know, we've had plenty of them to look at so far this season. And look, it was job done. We we kept them at bay at set pieces and in, and in in normal play. Um, God knows there was enough set pieces thanks to the whistle happy referee that I'm not going to let very, off very the strange. mark either today. Very strange man. Absolutely terrible he was today. Like it really felt like we were playing against an extra man, especially in the first half. But and Paddy, it was really funny because at half time he came out he came out after half time and start giving us everything. It was like as if he went in and saw the two yellow cards after being given and went, oh, I better even this up a bit. It was absolutely woeful. Paddy, did you not listen to the Martin Keown? I'd say you were watching him BN, BN Sports. No, Martin. I actually did hear Martin Keown. Yeah. Martin Keown, we were targeting Sacco. We were targeting Sacco. Uh, who, what was it? He said that Nakamba went through him. Or, no, he... Uh, 
yeah, he went through, or he did him, or he he went through him, or something like that. He flicked his shin pad. Like there was, like Martin Keown was hilarious today. I like Martin Keown usually on commentary, but my God, the bias bias factor was out in spades today. And I know he played for both teams, and actually he was he was pretty complimentary to Villa, but he made it seem like Villa were hatchet men all together today. But it just wasn't the case. And then Jack Grealish gets kicked or gets pushed at one stage, and he goes, "Oh, he loves doing that, doesn't he? Buying free kicks," and you're like. Get off it. Come on, for God's sake. He was as biased as the referee. I I, I, <laughs> I don't get him. I really don't because, you know, it's the very reason I don't subscribe to any of these sports channels because they roll out this celebrity, so-called ex-professional who knows the stuff, and nine times out of ten, they talk complete shite. <laughs> he, offer, he offers absolutely nothing in the way of Aston Villa and is completely pro-Arsenal. But I think that's the thing. I think that's the thing, Paddy. So it's it's like I would I wouldn't mind listening to somebody who is being what the Americans would term a color commentator. So what that would be is to basically so you've got a commentator who's just commentating on the ball goes left to Sacco, Sacco plays it back in the center to Jacka, whatever, and then they then they turn around to somebody for analysis, slight analysis to put color on the picture. That's what it's called a color commentator. In I, I, that's what I was told. I was, I was told that by somebody. Um. But he wasn't. All the only colours he was putting in the picture were well, blue and yellow today, but red and white for Arsenal, you know. So you're supposed to paint a picture of two of, of the colours of both sides. And, and I think the big problem is there. Look, we play against teams like United. They've got they've got uh, uh, Gary Neville. You play against Liverpool. You've got Jamie Carragher, who, in fairness, does stay pretty unbiased in the main until until Liverpool go behind. Oh, yes, but that's yeah, like, but but he's a Liverpool fan, so when we were up seven two, you know, I can understand why he was a bit pissed off in that game. Yeah. Um, I never missed a chance to say seven two, uh, but uh, <laughs> oh, it's completely wrong. If you if you get if, if we'd have had Jamie Carragher there today, he would have been completely impartial, which and it would have been brilliant. It would have been brilliant. And Steve McManaman, when we're like sometimes Steve McManaman when we were playing when we played Man City as well. Like, you know, my, my big thing is why have ex-professionals have them in the studio where they can be as biased as they want and stand up for their team. But having them in a commentary booth for me is a bit when you far. Have, you have to listen to it for the whole game. It's, it's, yeah. yeah. Like, it's, it's biased from the top down. So the, the, the TV guys are, are biased and they're playing to the masses of the glory hunting fans by having these guys in place. And, you know, you just want a bit of impar- impartiality. Yeah, if I, I, I watch Liverpool tomorrow, I don't want to be listening to Jamie Carragher. I don't want to. You know, I think Jamie Carragher is quite good when he's impartial, but I don't I don't want to listen to him. I don't see the point of it. I want to listen to somebody who can stand there or sit there at the match and, and not talk too much either. They're there as a secondary commentator. Speak when you need to speak. Just, just keep your... Steve McManaman, he, he takes over the commentary. <laughs> anyway... Yeah. We're going yeah, off on a tangent. We're going off on a tangent. For, referee was for, poor. We're not letting that go. I thought, <laughs> he was, I thought he made two poor decisions with the yellow cards. Um, I thought I thought he was very rude when Jack went to speak to him at one stage. Mm. Jack's the captain. He's quite entitled to come and ask a question. Um, and he wasn't doing the same for Arsenal. He was explaining everything to them. And you're just scratching your head going, like, what's the point? And for the first, as I said, the first, team, first 15 minutes of the second half, I would imagine the TV was playing on loop in the dressing room. Those decisions he made in the first half and the 50-50s. He gave everything to Arsenal. At the Villa. In the, in the, in the, Arsenal the first half, yeah. yeah and then yeah, yeah, 15 yeah. minutes, every 50-50 we got. Yeah, yeah. Look, Which is good. 
two yeah. wrongs don't make a right either. No, Just no, 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 no. For the whole game, and that, that's all we ask for. Absolutely. I'm not, I'm not letting that overshadow the fact that <laughs> we, we went and we beat 12 men today because that's the way it felt for long periods of the game. Uh, I thought we were awesome from start to finish. I thought everybody gave their all. I thought our defense, defense was absolutely immense. And, yeah. you know, I think there's a big shout out there for Tyrone Mings for the Lakers Sportsman of the Match. I thought he was absolutely brilliant. Credit where it's due. He played out of his skin. He got stuck in. Uh, there was no momentary lapse of com- concentration in the whole game. And, uh, you know, the, the, the Twitter Warriors won't be out in force this weekend. Uh, do you want to know how many touches of ball Tyrone Mings had? Go on. Tyrone Mings only touched the ball 38 times in that game. Jeepers. And every single and 28 of them were passes. So Tyrone yeah. Mings was very efficient for with, with his play. Um I, I I'm with you, Tyrone Mings. I want to give her an honorable shout out or an honorable mention to Matty Cash. Yeah. Matty Cash is and Abby Martin is as well, obviously wouldn't <laughs> Yeah, for this, No, we for, wouldn't be there without him. Uh, for that save. And and we need to shuffle his feet and kick one away. Remember when I got the he took the clip off Kanza, yeah. And they go and we, the commentators were wondering, they were like, What the hell happened there? Why did why did he do that? And when you saw it, it was actually a really, really good save. Um I thought both goalkeepers were pretty good today. I thought Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan made a couple of saves. There was one or two that just bounced in front of him. And for a guy who hasn't played since, I think it was December, it was actually since Brighton beat us in December of last year, the, of, 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 of the last season, should I say. I don't think he's played in the, in, in the league since. That, they mentioned something along those lines. But Matty Cash, I thought, was excellent today. Matty Cash uh, carried the water for us today. The most touches of the ball, he had the... Um, he had the most passes of the ball today. He passed the ball 44 times. He had 61 touches. We were down on the amount of touches and passes that we normally have in games today for obvious reasons because we didn't we didn't have hardly any possession. But Maddie Cash for me is 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 very, very, very uh he's very high up there on my uh and, and, and my man crushes with uh, with this team at the moment. He's just so good. He's never uh, he's never um He's never, well, he always looks like he's overwhelmed because he goes at everything 90 miles to the gallon, which is brilliant. Not a criticism of him. When I say you look overwhelmed, but he hopes with absolutely everything. He's just brilliant. And uh, he bombed on today and he got, he got down the wing and, and um, you can see it. You can see there's been a bit of a change in the last couple of weeks to try and arrest the, the um, arrest the situation we have maybe with losses whereby Traore is getting very few touches of the ball now, but he's defending very, very doggedly. Trezeguet yeah. comes on. Trezeguet comes on and uh, how many touches? Trezeguet only had 10 touches of the ball when he came on. Traore only had 27 touches of the ball. Um, you know, so like on that right-hand side for our wingers, they only had 37 touches of the ball throughout the whole game. That's, that's with two players. That's not a lot at all. That would have been uh, comfortably, it would have been last of all touches in the Arsenal team, and that's between two men, you know. So uh, the guys defended really, really well, and Trezeguet was the perfect sub to bring on because he's really good to see out a very disciplined performance on that right wing there. So if we were bringing on Trezeguet to chase a game, it's 50 50. All right, he, can, he yeah. comes up at the back post with goals and stuff like that, and it's fantastic. And this is not slighting him, but when you bring him on, you're one nil up. This goes back to what I've said on Twitter a couple of times. We're a very good front runner because we have such a good discipline system, and we have players now that are comfortable playing in it. A la Trezeguet, who comes on today and just, just shuts down that right wing while offering an outlet to get down the wing with decent pace, a decent delivery, and as we know, 
pops up at the back post every so often for a goal. So mm-hmm. um, squad usage today, I think, was spot on from Dean Smith. Maybe look, hindsight is 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 twenty twenty. Looking back at the game, I I know I said about Nakamba. Was I fully behind it when I saw it? Full disclosure, uh, I, there was there was definitely I was probably about sixty eight percent happy, thirty two percent kind of nervous um, when I saw a change in midfield that was Nakamba for for Douglas Louise. Um, but overall, look, you just have to be really happy happy with the with the performance as well today. Jacob Ramsey came on. He had three touches of the ball, and two of them were absolutely majestic. One was one one was where he just like rolled his foot over the ball and absolutely goosed Granite Jack and I think in the middle of the field, and then took the ball on and had a shot and and you know showed great confidence. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, so fair play to him. He's like uh, great to see him being trusted to come in there when you've got fourteen million pounds of a Frenchman there too, who will have his day in the sun as the as the games go on. So. Delighted. Just literally, literally, absolutely thrilled with that game today. We've six days to bask in the glory of that game. And uh, just, just uh, a quick shout out. There was an incident in the first half that went largely unnoticed where um, Mings was overloaded by two Arsenal players. And he goaded the, the attacking player into passing it to the guy out wide, but he absolutely read the interception perfectly. Oh, yeah. It was, it was absolutely brilliant to watch. Yeah. So if you get a chance, if you are looking back at the game, have a look at it. It's mm. about 20, 25 minutes in. Fantastic. Mm. Uh, he just goaded him into passing the ball. And then the minute he swung to pass the ball, he was on to, the, to, to cut out the pass. It was brilliant. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. But that, that, that's one of the reasons I have him as my man of the match. I thought it was really great. <laughs> Tyrone Mings, absolutely Laker Sportsman a match. And that's not actually a bad time to kind of let you guys know that we have a website. I finally did it. Uh, got the finger out. Uh, um, And you'll be able to find stuff there. We just have like, I want, I want <laughs> realistically, all I wanted to do was put up and keep a track of who was getting this man the matches because I can't remember from one game to the next. I know we've probably given like 40 of them already, even though we've only had 19 or 20 games. We've given over 40 of them to um to Emmy Martinez. But I just wanted to keep a track to see because it'd be interesting to come back at the end of the year. So uh, if anybody has them written down somewhere and could send them on to me via DM, it would save me having to listen back to all the podcasts so I could pop them up in the Unlikely, website. Unlikely, I'd say, but yeah. you never know. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah, any one of the seven listeners that we have that will be able to, to, to DM them on to me. That would be fantastic. Um, but uh, that's my job now after this is to go back and listen to the endings of all the podcasts that, would, that Paddy has had to remind me about the Lakers Sportsman match um, to do. But uh, yeah, we'll be having a bit of crack on there and we'll, we'll throw up a small few. Um, uh, yeah, we'll, it'll evolve as time comes. But um, basically, look, it's going to be a landing page for, for if anybody wants to buy one of our hats, they're up on the website as well. Uh, you'll be able to see there's a shop there. I do have to have full disclosure when putting the shop up there. The shipping rates are calculated by the supplier. They may be slightly different to the ones that were charged previously, especially for Canada and North America. There might be a slight increase. Um, just as I say, out, out of our hands with regards to that, that's the uh, the the um the the uh, the, the, the service operator. What am I trying to say? The the postage company the pony express whatever you want to call them i can't remember uh that's that's what they're charging and, and look it's 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 just one of those things that is uh that is generated based on the size of the parcel and, and the and, and the weight of it so uh yeah as i say um apologies about that but hands are hands are tied with that and it's not 
coming to us, I suppose, really. But I uh, just want to full disclosure on that one there. Um, but all other prices are uh, remain untouched. Um, and that's really going to kind of do it. As I say, thanks to everybody for listening. It's always good to come on here and chat about a victory. Um, it's always good to come, come on here and drown our sorrows as well and a defeat as well. But give me more victories than defeats. I, I'd, uh, I'd prefer those. Before we go, I want to leave you with a statistic. And a happy statistic. And I'm going to bring it up my phone because I just found it five minutes beforehand here. I had to go digging for it because I had to make it myself. And it was, uh, Emmy Martin is on 11 clean sheets at the moment in the Premier League this year. Paddy, we're going to play a quiz. Who is, so there's only two goalkeepers in the Premier League era who have higher clean sheet records in a year. Can you name them? Can you tell me how many clean sheets they had? And can you tell me the years that they had them in? So name the goalkeepers first. Anyway, see if you can name the two goalkeepers. Um, Allison. No, no, no. Aston Villa goalkeepers. Aston oh, Villa goalkeepers. Villa yeah. Oh no, no. Only two. Only two Villa goalkeepers. Yeah, yeah. Um, Brad Friedel. Correct. Zero eight zero nine. Hit the post. Nine ten. Yes. And. Fuzzy. Yes. Uh, 95, 96. Correct. <laughs> just goes to show Paddy doesn't read my Twitter either because I put that up just before we started recording. And uh, <laughs> but actually, this is the real this, this is the real re- acid test. How many clean sheets did Buzzy have in, in 95, 96? Oh, God. Uh, 15? No. Close. It was 13. And how many did Brad Friedel have, uh, which is higher uh, in 0910? I feel like I should know this one. Um, You might have said it for the last answer. 15. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, 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 15. So with 17 games remaining, Emmy Martinez could join exalted company in probably our two two best goalkeepers in 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 the Premier League era. And we're one season in with him, guys. One season in with him. Dean Smith knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. And Jack Grealish is on course for 10 and 10. Ollie Watkins has, has 10 goals or 11 goals. Does he have 10 or 11 goals? 10 goals uh, in Premier League already. I read a great statistic. It's taken him 21 games to get to 10 goals. It took him... Um, no, it's after flying out of my mind. No, I think it like took him 32 games to get to 10 goals in League Two, and it took him 34 games to get to our League One, and it took him 34 ga- goal, games to get to 10 goals in, in the Championship. He's got the 10 goals in 21 games in the Premier League. Man's going to be a star if he keeps going the way he is and he's work rate as well. And I think, you know, we're, we're going to have an international break coming up soon. I want to do a full week on Ali Watkins' breakdown and how good he is because uh, the man is a sparkler. Really, really is. And we're going to end it at that because I'll get too excited and Paddy has somewhere to be. Um, <laughs> so thanks everybody for I listening. have the other room to be to do a Zoom quiz. That's, that's <laughs> yes, uh, exactly. Uh, we're back to Zoom quizzes somebody again needs here. Breaking lockdown or something. <laughs> <laughs> Break, yeah, we're we're back to Zoom quizzes here in Ireland again because we're uh, we're in lockdown so long again, but uh, they've grown back the Zoom quizzes. Um, but listen, guys, great victory. Thanks every so much for everybody for listening. You can catch Paddy on at Philip Paddy. You can catch me on at Love McGrath pod and um, 
thanks for everything you do for the podcast thanks for listening thanks for the kind words that we get uh, get the whole time it really really means a lot as we said at the end of the last podcast lockdown's getting you down you need you, you need to just talk mindlessly about Aston Villa give us a shout we're just a DM away and um, there's one or two guys I won't mention who they were did it actually they mentioned they, they, they chatted to me during the week and uh, no it's great it's great to just get chatting to know people as well and um Hopefully, hopefully it makes a difference um, because uh, we get the opportunity to do this here and get stuff off our chest sometimes as well. But um, we're going to leave it at that. Aston Villa have equaled their points total of of last season already and we have 17 games to go. As I said in the Villa view, I think we're not going to be relegated. And all that's left to say is up the Villa. Up the Villa. Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.